Welcome to the podcast of Vertical Life Church. We hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.vlchurch.tv. You know, if anything reveals God's nature of being a waymaker, it's looking at the Easter story, the resurrection of Jesus, when the Bible says we were dead in our sins, hopelessly lost, not good enough to redeem ourselves, God made a way. This past week I was on a jog, we've been making it a family thing of going out for a jog in the afternoons, and one of those dear moments as a father, I was jogging with my son Asher, and we were running and he asked me a question he said you know what's harder running outside or running on a treadmill and I told him running outside was harder and he asked why and I said well because the ground is uneven you have cracks and holes and and uh, you kind of go up a hill and down a hill and a treadmill is just flat and you know you can kind of you know make it an easy easy go on a treadmill but outside it's more difficult and then he said something he said something to me that just kind of touched my heart he said yeah, but when Jesus comes back, he's going to make all the crooked paths straight. You know, and I was just like, you know what, you're right. He is. He's going to make all the crooked paths straight. The prophecy in the Old Testament. And it was floored me that he would remember that from his Bible reading or his studies, that when Jesus comes, he's going to take the impossible and make it possible. He's going to take all the crooked paths and all the things that has distracted us and brought dysfunction into our lives, and he's going to provide us a straight path out of the mess and into the holiness and glory of God. What an amazing thing that he has come to do and what he's doing for us even now. And I just love that song, Waymaker, because it reminds us that no matter what we face, no matter what we're dealing with, there is a way being made. There's a way of escape temptation. There's a way out of financial trouble. There's a way that our God, he's the breakthrough God, and he brings breakthrough to those who love him and follow him and trust in him. Last week we talked about Easter and how during this, this three-week series beginning Easter, we're talking about really divine connection, that Jesus came for multiple reasons. But last week more specifically, he came, he gave his life on the cross, he rose from the dead, he brought this good news, Jesus is alive, that's good news, amen? You believe that? Right, we want to give a shout out, it's good news that Jesus is alive forevermore. He's alive. And that the reason why he came forth from the grave, why he rose from the dead, is so that we could have a divine encounter. That those who are separated from God, from their Heavenly Father, because of their trespasses and sins, because of all the mistakes we've made, there's not one of us that was born into this world without a nature, a, a, a thing in us that naturally pulls us away from God, leads us to rebellion against God. It's called the sin nature. We all wake up our first day in this life with this sin nature that we wrestle with. And all of us have this sin in our lives, our spiritual lives, that affect our physical lives. It affects our reality, our relationships. It affects decisions that we make. And Jesus came because of that reality that that sin that we have separates us from a holy and righteous God. God can't accept sin. He has to judge sin. And because we were separated from God, we were at the end of his gun of judgment. 
We, his judgment and his wrath was focused on us because of that sin. But his great love and mercy beckoned within him to do something on behalf of those that he loved. He loved us. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That that payment that, that we owed could be paid and satisfied so that those who were sin could be sinners no more. Those that brought in rebellion could be no longer rebels, no longer enemies of God, but friends of God. And Jesus came to reestablish that divine connection that we could discover who we were always created to be, the sons and daughters of God. And as sons and daughters, we could have our hearts filled with the love and the joy of God, our Heavenly Father, through our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And that's an invitation He makes to everyone even today. Maybe you're tuning in for the first time and church has never been your thing. Maybe you went to church when you were younger but haven't been in a long time and, you, and you're just here tuning in because maybe you had a, a friend invite you or maybe you saw a post online and you got curious, whatever it is. God is making an invitation for you today to discover who you really are, who God created you to be. And it first begins by beginning that divine connection by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But Jesus did not come and give his life, go through the cross, and rise from the dead just so that we could have an individual experience with God. Jesus came so that we could be reconnected to the divine family. God desired to have a family. In the book of Malachi, it says that he wants godly offspring. He wants a family and that he desires from everyone who is created that godly offspring would arise and be connected into this heavenly family. That's what he wanted. And so Jesus came not only to restore us to the Father, but to also connect us supernaturally to this divine family that we would have in a divine encounter with one another. In Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, the prophet Isaiah writes this. He says, Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. Beloved, if you believe in Jesus, you need never be shaken. You need never tremble and worry about tomorrow because God is faithful. He is trustworthy. And Jesus, our Savior, never fails. Praise the Lord. Amen? He never fails. And so we can build our lives on him. He is the foundation stone of our faith. But even though Jesus is the foundation stone or the cornerstone, it is not a standalone structure with just you and him or me and him that he is building. He's not building just a cornerstone, foundation stone, and placing one structure on top of it. We are multiple structures coming together to build a greater structure. What began through Jesus' sacrifice continues with you and me even today. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, Peter, the Apostle Peter in the New Testament writes this, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people. He was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones, 
Say living stones or type living stones today. Living stones. Living stones. You, if you believe in Jesus, you've accepted him as your savior, you've been born again, you've been saved, you are living stones. And what is God doing with the living stones? God is building these stones into his spiritual temple. So God is taking the foundation, which is Christ the Lord, is Jesus, and he's taking you and I and fitting us together perfectly into or onto this foundation to build a brand new structure, a brand new temple. And as the temple of God, even more, we are also his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, we offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. We're not just structural entities. We're also living ministers ever before God, ministering before the presence of the Lord. We receive an incredible high honor and great privilege to not only be loved by God, known by God, but to serve in His presence. If you have the Spirit of the Lord living within you, you are a temple of the Spirit of God. And together, we are many temples, many parts coming together to build God's greatest temple. Living stones, stone upon stone, we are being formed into His eternal dwelling. But in our day, it's a, it's a sad reality that many Christians believe that they can live independently from the rest of the structure that God is trying to build. If you think about the imagery of being living stones, many people believe that they can be a brick on their own somewhere, that they don't have to be connected to the structure that God is building, that once they become a living stone, they can just exist outside of that structure that God is trying to build. They can live outside of this family, the, the church of Jesus Christ, that God came to build. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is building a new temple for God's presence. It is the church, not not a church, but the church, all who call on the name of Christ, God is building that and to be his eternal dwelling place. Jesus is building, gave his life to build this structure. And many people believe that even though they are believers in Christ, followers of Christ, that they can live the Christian life absent of the rest of the structure. That they, they can live outside of the structure God is trying to build. It's kind of like the game Jenga. I don't have it. I wish I had it here today for you. But the game Jenga, if you know that game, they have even life-size versions of that you can play outside. I think it's pretty cool. But I think Jenga is one of the, the first games that I was ever uh, able to play that like instantly riddles you with anxiety because you don't know when those pieces are going to fall. Each person goes around the, the table and they take a brick out of the structure. And over time, it becomes more unstable and becomes more wobbly. And you don't know if you're going to be the one to knock down the, the, the structure. And, but before long, as piece after piece after piece is removed from the structure, it becomes unstable. And over time, it soon collapses. And this is why I believe that many independent churches, many individual churches, are struggling. Some even fail. Some even close their doors. And why the larger church, the church at large, all believers together are not as impactful as we can be because there are many pieces to the greater puzzle God is building that are missing. It's not, it's not as frustrating to put together a huge puzzle. If you get all the pieces and you get it together, you know, sometimes it's hard to find all the pieces. But once it's together, it's a great thing. 
What's really frustrating is to get the puzzle together and then be missing a piece. And this is often what the church is like because there are many pieces of the puzzle that are missing. They're not integrated or connected to the greater picture. There are many bricks still living outside of the temple that God is trying to build. A strong indicator of a mature believer in Christ, a mature person in the Lord, maturing spirituality, growing relationship with Christ is how invested and how connected you are to the temple of God. Not a physical organization, not not this church or that church or that church, but the spiritual family as a whole. And often that plays out in individual local churches. I'm not talking about allegiance to denominations or religious systems. And I'm not talking about being confirmed and and going through the ritual process of, of being aligned with an organization. But I am talking about being connected, spiritually connected, to the divine family that God gave his life to bring you into. Many people believe that you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And I agree, you don't have to go to a church to be a Christian. Because the building is not the church. The building we meet in is not the church. We say on Sundays, we're going to go to church. No, that's not right. We don't go to church. Why? Because we are the church. We are the assembly of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So wherever we go, that's where the church goes. Jesus said, where two or more gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst. Which means when you gather together with other believers, that is the church. That is where you're having church. That's where God's presence is revealed among us. So no, we don't have to go to a building to go to church. We take the church wherever we go. And we get the privilege and the honor to gather with God's people. To gather as the church to encounter the manifest presence of God. And the blessings that he has for us each and every time we gather together. Not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 He says this about the church. He says, You are the light of the world, a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world, a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Imagine, if you will, a city that had no light. And you were wandering by in the middle of the night. It'd be hard to identify. That's why Jesus said, You're not just a city with light. You're up on a hillside. You're like a lighthouse. You're meant to shine and be a beacon for those who are lost in darkness who are lost and disconnected from God, that you could be the beacon to show them where that place of refuge and that place of hope is. That that city is not just one building out in the middle of nowhere, it's multiple buildings interconnected in all of our lights shining together that draws people into that safe place. We were not meant to be an island. We were meant to be a city on a hill. We were not meant to be an island or a house in the middle of nowhere. We were meant to be a city on a hill. And as believers in Christ, followers of Jesus, we cannot become everything God created us to be if we remain disconnected from the rest of the city. I know there's many here that have dreams and aspirations of buying land one day out in the middle of nowhere, having no neighbors, and you can yell and scream and walk out in your boxer shorts in your front or backyard and not worry about who's going to see what. A lot of us have that idea. And some of us, we treat our Christian lives the same way. We just want to walk in the back door of the church, sit in the back row, be unnoticed, leave without ever saying anything to anyone, and we feel like we did a good thing that day. But we're missing on one of the most vital aspects of the Christian life, and that is divine 
connected fellowship with the body of Christ. Once we become connected to Christ, we become part of His temple. We become part of a greater story and an even greater reality. And there are three ways, and we're going to go through this quickly, three ways that we are connected together through Jesus Christ. That there's really three things that make up the mortar that God is using to put these living stones together to build the temple that he's building through all of us. Number one, you can also uh, follow along on the YouVersion Bible app. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, the notes should be on our events page, our live events page. The scriptures and notes will be there. But number one, the first way we're connected as the body of Christ is we're connected by a common faith. Somebody say a common faith. Common faith. A common, common faith. faith. Thank you. <laughs> I'm trying to get my family engaged here. You know, that way they're not snoring and you don't hear that in the background. But number one is a common faith. Ephesians chapter 4, 4 and 6 says there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and in all and living through all. One of the, the most basic connect points that we have is we have a common faith. When you and I responded to the good news, that gospel message that we were sinners, that we needed a Savior, that in order to be saved, we had to turn from our sins and trust in the death, resurrection of Christ, declare Him as Lord and Savior, we became born again. We were responding to this message, this foundational faith, and we entered that divine relationship with our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. But we don't just respond privately. The scripture in Romans 10 doesn't tell us to, to pray in our heart and keep our faith to, a, to ourselves, to keep it a secret. No, it says declare, confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart. He says let it come out what is happening on the inside. We must declare publicly before others that Jesus Christ is our Lord. Matthew 10, 32, Jesus says, Whoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. He who shall confess me before men will I confess before my Father in heaven. He goes on next to say, those who deny me before men, I'll deny before my Father in heaven. There are no secret or silent Christians. They don't exist. True believers in Christ are vocal about who Jesus is to them. And maybe you're, you're like I was. I, I was kind of born into church. I grew up in church. I was there every Sunday. I was there for all the youth group programs and things like that. And it's easy when you become a Christian when you're younger to kind of take this stuff for granted and to stay connected, to keep your heart connected and keep fanning that flame into fire. And you can get into like a spiritual rhythm or routine and things don't really affect you as much. And, and and when you go out into the world, you almost become scared or afraid if people find out you're a Christian, how they might treat you, or what they might think, or what they might say. And though you want to tell them, there, there's a lot of fear, a lot of things inside that keep you silent, that keep you afraid, because you haven't had this profound encounter with Christ that, that just totally radically transforms your life. You've just kind of grown into this process. You know, the, Jesus said those who are forgiven much love much. Those that seem to be the most outspoken, bold, are usually the ones who've had the most radical encounters from drug addiction to healed, from, from sick to healed. And, and you see these things, these powerful testimonies. It can be harder to be vocal when you've just kind of grown through the process. But Jesus said there are no secret Christians. 
Those who believe, those who follow me will confess me as Lord and Savior. One of the public ways we do that is through those connect points, is through baptism, being immersed in water to signify our unity with the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism is a symbolic gesture that speaks of our dying to sin, being raised to new life, and being washed and prepared to live the life Jesus died for us to be able to live, that abundant life. Some of you are listening, you've You've been a believer for a long time. You've prayed the prayer to receive Jesus, but yet you've yet to be scripturally baptized. Baptism, biblically, doesn't cover you as a child. If you look all through scripture, there's never a time where a child or an infant is baptized and that's accepted. It's always after the person makes a conscious decision to trust in Christ and follow Jesus that the person is baptized. Baptism doesn't cover you as a child, it doesn't confirm you into the church, but what it does do when you accept Jesus, it then reveals to the world that you are uniting with Christ, you have this common faith, and that we are bound together by something deep and something powerful. Baptism washes you and prepares you to now live the abundant life, the born-again life that Jesus came to provide. And some of you, you need to take that step. You need to take your faith from being a secret faith to a public faith by, by being baptized. The second way we're connected together is not just through a common faith, but we're connected by a common spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says, You will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There is a secondary experience other than baptism and other than accepting Christ as being saved that happens and is encountered in the life of a believer. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, when the Spirit comes upon you, then you'll be my witnesses. One of the reasons why it's difficult to be that bold, to be that powerful witness for Christ, is because we lack the power that comes through that anointing in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in us for salvation, but he empowers us to be a witness for Christ. Without the empowering presence of God in us and upon us, we lack the ability to represent him well on earth. There are so many times I tried to tell people about Jesus. So many times I, I, tried, I tried to share Jesus, but I would end up in debates. People would get upset, and nothing would actually happen. And I'd be frustrated, like, why, God? Why can't I lead someone to Jesus. But something changed when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There was an anointing on my life that gave me what I would consider supernatural awareness, discernment of what God was saying, what God was doing, that enabled me to lead people to Christ in an even more profound way. It's amazing that when you pray for healing and somebody is healed instantly, how open they are to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's a true testimony of the Word of God. In Romans chapter 15, 18 through 19, Paul is writing to the church of Rome, and he says, I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles, that's everyone who's not a Jew, the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. They were convinced that by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit, in this way I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. Notice he said, I have fully presented the good news. Why? He didn't just 
tell people what the Bible said. He demonstrated the power of God through the Holy Spirit. The good news, the gospel that we preach is not simply a story about the Son of God's death and resurrection, but it also contains the demonstration of power to confirm that message through signs and wonders done by the Holy Spirit. These are gifts that God gives the church in this divine connection through God in order to be a witness for Christ. So the gospel has not been fully preached where there is not a demonstration of that, the truth of the message. Demonstration comes through the power and working of miracles through this Holy Spirit, through born-again believers, who are witnessing not just in word, but also to the truth of what the Bible says, that Jesus is the Son of God, Savior of all the world, that there is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. We demonstrate the power of the resurrection through the Holy Spirit. Again, many of you here listening today, you've, you've grown up in church, maybe you haven't, but you've heard this message, maybe you've responded to the gospel, you've accepted Christ, you've prayed a prayer, maybe you've even been baptized in water, but yet there's something like, like something I struggled with my whole life, thinking there's got to be something more than just church attendance for a Christian life. I read the scripture and it just seems like there's something greater that I can be a part of, but I don't seem to experience that in my everyday life. And that is what religion does. It, it binds you in the set of um, rules or obligations or a mindset that if you do these things, you're everything God intended for you to be, but yet it still leaves you empty inside knowing there's got to be something more than what I presently experience. And that comes through the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7, we see how the power of the Spirit brings a shift in the believer from just being religious, pre-filling, to being on fire and empowered after the baptism of the Spirit. It's the difference between feeling trapped in religion to being set free to become who God has created you to be. The scripture says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That When the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. There's a freedom from addiction, freedom from depression, freedom from oppression, freedom from bondages of all kinds that come through this power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 19, 1 through 7, the Bible records maybe some people like, that are listening today that have grown up in church but yet haven't heard about you know, even if there is a Holy Spirit. In verse 1 of Acts 19, it says, While Paulus was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus. On the coast where he found several believers, and he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, they replied. We haven't heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So here we have these disciples. They were following John. They were baptized by John. John said, you know, don't follow me. Follow Jesus. He's the Son of God. So they start following Jesus. But yet when Paul encounters them, they haven't even experienced the Holy Spirit. They don't, they don't know the Holy Spirit. And so he continues this conversation. And he says, what baptism did you experience? And they, asked, and they said the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin. That's what our initial salvation is, repenting from sin and turning to God through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. It was all pointing to Christ. Verse 5, it says, As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and the power of God was revealed. They spoke in other tongues, and they prophesied, about twelve men in all. 
See, in this encounter, this is years and years later after the day of Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit is first poured out, you have these people that were following religion. They were following even the proper faith, believing in Jesus, but yet they never received the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. And there was something missing from their lives. And Paul wouldn't let them go without receiving the Spirit because he knew that the Spirit of God is that difference maker. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us to make every effort to unite ourselves, binding ourselves together in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in the power and manifest presence of God is one of the most vital parts that connect us together. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul describes another aspect of the church or the church in another way, not just the temple of God, not just as living stones, but as the Lord's body. And just as a body has many parts, so does the body of Christ. And each part is determined by what it does. A hand is determined by functioning as a hand. An eye is determined by functioning as an eye. So what does it mean uh, to be in the Lord's body? Well, the Holy Spirit determines how we function in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 4-7 says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who work, does the work in all of us. Verse 7, I want to highlight this verse. It says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can what? So we can help each other. So the anointing of power of the Holy Spirit is not just so that we can be more effective in telling people about Jesus and demonstrating the power of God. But the Spirit of God comes upon us to also empower us to minister to one another. Because we're not just living stones in a structure, we're also the priests of God. We're ministers. We minister as we gather together. And we're given these gifts not so that we can gauge how spiritually each other are. Well, you have the gift of prophecy or you have the gift of healing. No. Each gift is equal. The Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 12 to even say the more prominent gifts, like the eye or the head or the hand, they are to clothe with even greater care the gifts that aren't as clearly seen. That, that we are to uh, recognize that we're all special, we're all unique, we're all important in the body of Christ. You cannot live the Christian life because if you've not received this empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We end up in a religious life, not the Christian life Jesus intended for us to live. You've not simply been saved from something, like sin, but you've been saved to something. You've been saved for something. You've been set free in order to live a life that doesn't just benefit you, but benefits those who are walking alongside of you. You've been born into a new life with a new purpose and a new direction. And you're part of a new family that's bonds are deeper even than the bonds of our earthly family. And you, if you're a believer in Christ, you're a vital part of this body of believers, an essential part of this temple structure that Jesus is building. You can't live the Christian life in the safety of your own home. Or else how can you use the gifts of the Spirit to benefit and strengthen one another? How can you pray over one another for healing if you're not together? How can you prophesy if you're not meeting together and engaging together? It just doesn't work. The third way we're connected in this divine connection with one another is we're connected in supernatural fellowship. This ties to what we were just saying, but it's not enough to receive gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's a purpose why we have them. In Hebrews chapter 10, 23 through 25, 
The writer of Hebrews says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. We are encouraged to not forsake meeting, not to meet less and less, but to meet more and more and more. Why? Because we need the fellowship of other believers. We need the fellowship. We need that connection with one another to experience everything God intends for us. You know, Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, that's where I am. Which means there's this implication that we are to gather together. And I know, if you're like me, you know that peopling people is hard to do. You know that it's difficult to become vulnerable with a group of people that you don't fully trust because many of us, we've been burned before. We've trusted people. We've, we've put ourselves out there only to be hurt in response. And so there can be some fear or some uh, just some walls that are up that, that really get in the way of us connecting and becoming the, the body of Christ, becoming connected to the church the way God desires for us. But let me just encourage you, beloved, God's word never fails. And God brings us together, rough edges and all, broken people with broken people. Not so that leaders can turn themselves into gods and their servants into peasants, but so that we, through mutual service with one another, being vulnerable, bearing each other's burdens, we can not only find strength to continue on and overcome our struggles, but so that we can give God glory with everything that we are, so that His love and His goodness can be revealed to the world. As believers, we live in a supernatural life connected to God through our relationship with Jesus. We're not exempt from difficult times. As we can see right now, as we're meeting like this, and with the quarantine and with all the stuff happening right now, we're not exempt from difficult times. Our current situation is evident of that, that we need each other to continue to encourage one another to stay faithful and to stay focused on what really matters, to not get lost in the distractions and of the cares of this world and things that are temporary, but to stay focused and prioritize our relationship with God individually and then our relationship with one another and coordinate our efforts to share the message of hope in Jesus to advance the kingdom of God. In 1 Corinthians 14, 26, Paul summarizes this supernatural fellowship that we have. This super, why we gather together. It's not so that you can come and listen to the pastor. It's so that you can come and serve with the gifts that you have. You see, I need you just as you need me. I need you to encourage me just as you need me to encourage you. I need my wife. She needs me. You need her. You need our family. We need your family. We need to be connected together so that we can encourage one another in the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 14, 26, Paul's saying, when you gather for worship, he says, well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given, one will speak in tongues, one another will interpret what is said, but everything that is done must strengthen all of you. So what he's saying, he said, when you gather together, it's not for religious purposes. You're gathering to minister to one another. You're gathering to use what God has given you to bless each other, to strengthen each other, to build each other up. Why? Because this is a difficult life. This is a difficult world. We have a real enemy that's coming at us from every direction to bring temptation into our lives, to get us distracted, to bring dysfunction and trouble and 
to do everything he can to oppose us in every way. And we need to come together, not just as a family, not just as a temple, but as an army of God, bearing each other's burdens, bearing each other up, fighting for one another in prayer, fighting for one another, holding each other accountable, being there to keep the enemy out from getting in to, to mess things up in our lives. When we come together, especially in a worship gathering, it's not so that a few can serve and the rest can be entertained. It's so that we all can come together. And maybe that's one of the things that you're missing in your spiritual life, is that, that part where God uses you to bless other people. And that's part of where we receive the encounter. I can tell you that the times that God has used me or, or my wife and I together, we've gone out and God's moved in powerful ways. I think we're blessed in a greater way than those that maybe even receive the healing or a word from the Lord. So the blessing that you're robbing yourself uh, from is the blessing you receive when you step out in faith and use your gifts that the Spirit has given you to minister to one another. You see, it's religion that's elevated one part over the other. You don't come to church to serve the pastor. You don't come to church to, to be entertained. You don't come to church to fill your spiritual time clock or to meet all the rules and regulations that others have put upon you. God is calling believers who have been disconnected from the body of Christ to come back, to come home, to wake up prodigals to come home. For those that have been staying in their homes and just watching church services on television and watching TBN or CBN or, or whatever those stations are, I don't have anything against them, but if that's all the church you're getting, you're missing a vital part of the Christian life God has called you into. It's in the family of faith connected in bonds of fellowship. It's in the family of faith where we can come together, confess our sins to one another, pray for each other that we can be healed. It's in that connection that God can truly move and break off all the junk that we wrestle with to make us more like Him. I've been told this before and I truly believe that sometimes God brings the most difficult people in your life not to ruin your life, but to reveal what's in you that needs to change. And so that's often what, what happens when we gather together is that we look at ourselves in a mirror and we see how we need to give ourselves more to the Lord and become more of who He's called us to be. You know, we're living in a day where the words of Christ are being fulfilled in John chapter 4, where Jesus said, there's a day coming where true worshipers will arise and worship in spirit and truth. There's a day coming where there's a people that become so hungry for the Lord that they worship God with everything that they are, that they're not concerned with what their religion expects of them. They're just concerned with entering the presence of God. They're not concerned with, with you know, who's singing off key. They're concerned with giving God more and more glory. They're not concerned with how long the song goes or, or whether or not uh, they sang that song three or four times in a row. They're not worried about those things. They're worried about, am I going to touch God today and be touched by God today? They're worried about, is God going to use me to bless other people? Is God going to work through me today? Is God going to come and enter this space and I can be radically transformed today? And I'm going to continue to press in. I'm going to continue to declare truth. I'm going to continue to rise up, pray, sing, lift my hands. I don't care if I'm jogging down the street and people are watching me out the front door. I don't care what's happening. I'm going to continue to press in until I encounter the living God. There's a day coming. 
and my wife and I, we've been praying together. We really believe God is getting ready to pour out His Spirit in a way that has not been seen in the church, that revival is coming. And those who have hard hearts, who are disconnected, who aren't engaged, who aren't flowing with the Spirit, they're going to miss out on what God, the blessing God is getting ready to pour out. So my challenge to you today, beloved, is don't disengage, but engage. Get connected. I know it's difficult while we're online and while we're at a distance, but don't just join us at 11 on Sunday morning. Join us for prayer. Get on the Zoom call. Get part of the Bible study group. If you, can't, if you don't have access to the internet or you know someone that doesn't have access to the internet, record it, download it, and take it over to them and share it with them. Get connected. If your church doesn't have small groups, start one in your church. You know, start one. Say, you know, say, I, you know, I can't meet at the time that you're meeting, but I can meet here. Can I start one? And, and we'll help you do that. You know, whatever it is, get connected. Find a place to get connected. And I know God is going to work and move in a powerful way. He connected us to himself through Jesus. And Jesus has connected us to one another. So God's power and presence can be poured out in us. And I'm so thankful that I get to be your pastor and that we get to minister to you, and that we're encouraged by you just as you're, we're, you're encouraged by us. And we love you. And we're going to pray, and we're going to close. And I just want to encourage you that whatever God is doing in your life, maybe you know that there's just a part of your spiritual life that's not been complete. Maybe you need to be baptized. Go ahead and type in the comments. Let us know. We'll arrange for you to be baptized. Maybe... Right now, you know, you've been saved, you've been baptized, but you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You've not had that encounter where you've been empowered. You're hungry for the Lord, but you just don't feel like you're empowered to be who God's created you to be. If that's you, we invite you right now just to begin praying. Lift your hands to the Lord. Just call out to the Lord and say, God, fill me with your Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit today. Lord, I don't care about what anybody else thinks, I don't care about what else is going on in the world. I don't care about what else to change in my life, what I have to give up. All I want is you. I want more of you. I want to be who you created me to be. I want to encounter you in a way that radically transforms my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, whoever seeks, finds. You continue to seek the Lord. Lord, I just pray for those right now that are seeking you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would descend on them right now in the name of Jesus and you anoint them with power, with signs and wonders following. God, that you would minister and touch, reorient, realign their lives and show them, God, maybe for the first time in their life, what it means to be born again, what it means to have joy in their Christian life. What it means to feel close to the Spirit, to know your voice, and to be used of you in powerful ways to testify that Jesus is the risen Lord, that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. If you're here and you're watching and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, you've been to confirmation classes, you've been through religious process, but you've only done what you were told you had to do. There's never been a moment in your life where you said, no, Jesus, I've been going my own way. Today, I want to give you my life. 
Something in me is, is telling me. I need to surrender to you today. If that's you here today, right now, where you are, just pray this with me. Just repeat it after me, just as you're speaking to God right there in your room. Just say, Father, forgive me of all my sin. I choose today to believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And I follow him as Lord and Savior. Fill me with your spirit. Empower me to live for you and be your witness. I give you my life. Thank you for your love. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Right now, if that was you and you prayed that, I just want to pray a blessing for you. And if God's ministering to you, if God is speaking to you, if God is touching you, I just want to encourage you right now just to stay in the moment. Just stay in an attitude of prayer. Receive from the Lord. Lord, I just thank you for those that have prayed. Even if they're watching this after the, the live and it's a, a later broadcast, those that are giving their lives to you, God, I just pray right now, Jesus, that you would touch them, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them in powerful ways. God, that you break off all that hardness and infuse them with your unconditional love. And God, we just praise you. We bless them, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would guard them and keep them from the enemy, God, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. That you surround them, Lord, with people to encourage them, that they'd get engaged and connected even, even with us, Lord. That we can encourage them Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name. Amen. From all of us at Vertical Life Church, we want to say thank you for listening. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to www.blchurch.tv forward slash give. Thank you, and God bless.